Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. It is the Great Commission, and it is Jesus' commission, his marching orders to his disciples just before he ascends into heaven. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. This is the Great Commission. Uh, In all likelihood, you've heard it before. But I want you to hear it afresh and anew today. Because it is great to be called by Christ to be on mission with Him. To be a part of a commission and to be commissioned as co-missionaries. We are on God's mission to make disciples, baptizing, teaching to obey all that Christ commanded, and remembering, remembering always that I am is with us. The great I am is with us, even to the end of the age. I want to focus in um, today on that last sentence of the Great Commission. We tend to talk a lot about going and why we go and where we go, and who we go to, and for what purpose, and what it means and looks like to make a disciple, and how a disciple is made, and how a disciple is made in all nations, and that God has a concern for all people in all places at all times. We talk a lot about baptism. We talk a lot about um, teaching. We talk a lot about obedience to the commands of God. But do we talk a lot about the walk-off sentence, the very last sentence, where Jesus says, hey, be sure of this. Remember, I, I am, and I am is with you always, even to the end of the age. What would the disciples have heard when Jesus said that? Well, they certainly would have heard an echo of the I am statements of Jesus, and they certainly would have heard an echo of God's revelation in Exodus 3.14 of who he is and his reality and his character as the one who is, the God who is. It is there in Exodus 3.14 that God first lays claim to this strange name, I am, and that he should be called I am, ego emi in Greek, which means I am, I exist, I be. This title I am is used by God um, the angel of the Lord, multiple of times throughout the Old Testament. And it is the name that Jesus lays claim to in the New Testament. Jesus makes seven I am statements in uh, in the Gospel of John alone. And so what does it mean 
for Jesus to say that he is, I am, that he is God. This is part of what got Jesus crucified. Um, Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 1.23 as the stumbling block for the Jews. Like Jesus claiming to be the one who is one and the same with the one who is, the great I am, that before Abraham was, I am. When Jesus lays claim to this reality that he is God, it is more than many people in his day could comprehend. Jesus claimed to be God. Now, that might be easy for you to accept, but it was not easy for the people of Jesus's day. And to be honest, it's not easy for a lot of people today. Jesus is the great I am. And so when Jesus says, I am, is with you always, even to the end of the age, that is certainly part of what the disciples would have heard. They would have also heard um, the reality that Jesus, I am with you always, Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, is with us always to the end of the age. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, we call Jesus by his name Jesus. So what does this mean? We would call him by the name Emmanuel. Well, it means we recognize that Jesus is God with us. This is like Jesus' origin story. This is who he is. The one who has been with the Father condescends in human form to be with us. It is the fulfillment of the promise of God made in Isaiah 7:14. God with us. Now, if you think that's hard to believe, if you think it's hard to believe that the God of the universe was born in human flesh to dwell among us full of grace and truth, just wait. Because Jesus, who is God with us, Emmanuel, the great I am, then turns and promises that even after he's dead and gone, well, dead and risen, dead and risen and ascended, even after that. Now, I know, I know, that's more fantastical, unbelievable, mind-bending statements, right? Well, there you go. So even after that, then God is going to come in the person of the Holy Spirit, and he is going to not only be with us, but in us and making of us one with God and one with one another. Crazy stuff. But that's exactly what Jesus promises in John chapter 14. And that is certainly um, part of what the disciples would have heard when Jesus says, now remember, 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 I am with you always. Jesus had told them that it would be to their advantage that he goes away. For if I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, cannot come. But if I go, I will send him to you. I am with you always to the end of the age. The reality that God is with those who believe, that God is with us by the present power of his Holy Spirit, that is an amazing promise and an amazing reality. And it extends to the end of the age. Really? Well, when is that? The end of the age actually arrived with the incarnation of Jesus, but the end of the age is not yet fully realized because, well, we don't yet live in the reality um, of Jesus's lordship being universally recognized and honored by everyone. The day is coming. The day is coming when every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you and I both know we don't yet live um, in the reality of that day. And so between now and then, in the meantime, what do we do? We busy ourselves with the Great Commission. We go and we make disciples. And we remember that Jesus is with us always, right up to the end of the age. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Jeff Bilbro is going to join us next. We're going to turn um, our attention to solitaire. Mm -hmm. Solitaire. Mountain solitaire. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. (laughs) 
Our friend Jeff Bilbro is back today from Grove City College and the Front Porch Republic. You can find samplings of what we're talking about today at frontporchrepublic.com. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Carmen. <sighs> Remind us who Paul Kings North is. Um, he's been here in the U.S. for a couple of weeks, and he has been, quote, stranded in Montana, which if you're going to be stranded is not a bad place to be stranded. And he feels a particular pull. Um to a particular, uh, to the reality of place. So remind us who he is and um, maybe what you've been hearing from him in the last couple of weeks. Sure. He, uh, he is a, he calls himself a recovering environmentalist. He was uh, an environmental activist in the late aughts and early teens over in the UK, uh, became kind of disillusioned with the life of activism and went on a very meandering spiritual journey that concluded or culminated, I should say, maybe, uh, in him being uh, confirmed in the Orthodox Church, I think, in 2020, 2019, somewhere in there. And uh, he's written quite uh, movingly about his conversion experience and about what it's meant for him to come to Christianity. And uh, we had him as our keynote speaker for the uh, Front Porch Republic conference a couple of weeks ago in Madison, Wisconsin. So... He flew out from Ireland with his family, spent the weekend with us, and then did some other events in the uh, the western half of the U.S. I think he is back in Ireland now, safely. Um, but he's just a, a remarkable person. I think a very humble thinker and writer. And maybe if I had to, had to distill uh, his bent, it would be uh, through two commitments that he that he espoused at the beginning of his talk. Uh, at our conference, which are simply um, a suspicion of power and a desire for roots. Uh, so, yeah, I think those two convictions kind of animate most of his writing. Let's unpack those um, uh, if if you're willing to do so. Yeah. Um, a suspicion of power um, means what or leans in what direction? And then a desire for roots means what? Yeah. So suspicion for power uh Concerns with the ways that centralized power, whether it be corporate or financial or government, um, tends to uh, attract and foment corruption. And um, so, so trying to find ways to distribute power to, um, uh, you know, in, in a kind of democratic fashion, keep keep power distributed amongst a lot of people as a, the best way of checking its abuses. Um, and then desire for roots, the sense that especially in our modern age, many of us are uprooted from our places, our, uh, people, um, from God, his, his opening keynote, the title was people, place, and prayer. And this notion of needing to reconnect, uh, to be rerooted in, uh, those dimensions that make us human and enable us to live out our, uh, calling as, as persons made in the image of God. So try, you, know, you can also think about this desire for roots as an echo of uh, Simone Weil's great book, Need for Roots, which she wrote during World War II while she was in exile from from France. Mm. I don't know that I'm familiar with that particular Simone Weil yeah. um, work, so I might have to I might have to pull that up. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, talk with us about um, rerouting. 
Yeah, I, I suppose it depends on your, you know, it's going to look different for different people in different contexts, but um, a recognition that living our lives in a virtual space and um, pursuing things like a career or um, more transient accolades uh, come at a great cost. And as Christians in particular, we should want to um, belong to our neighbors, to our places, so that we can uh, love them, serve them, and um, be involved in, uh, in their flourishing. Mm. So uh, I think part of it is a turn away from the kind of spectacles and the, the draw of the screen worlds. And then part of it is a commitment to invest in our in our places and our communities where we are so that we can um, tend those outposts of the kingdom of God. That's so good. That's so good. Um, will you, um, can we take a very, very brief break? And then um, is it, Paul, let me just ask this, Paul Perot, is it too early for us to take a break? Oh, no, you can take it. Go ahead. Okay. Well, okay. Before we take a break, let me ask uh, Let me la- ask you if you're listening in Bemidji or Black Duck or Bagley. If you are listening in Bemidji or Black Duck or Bagley or anywhere in between those points, um, I inquiring minds want to know if you heard the big explosion on Monday and if you saw the light. And if you live in one of those places um, or in that region of um, Beltrami County, then you know of what I speak. And if you don't, then I have now piqued your interest. So there you go. Northern Minnesota, good morning. Um, We've got a question for you. We want to know if you saw it, if you heard it, what's the story in your local community? Because we want to know. You can text us at 877-933-2484 when we come back. Our friend Jeff Bilbro is going to tell us about um, an apple hunter's 16-year quest for rare lost variety. Um, And yeah, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Do you have an apple tree? How old is it? Of what variety? Inquiring minds also want to know these things. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, this is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, seriously, Northern Minnesota, good morning. Bemidji, Black Duck, Bagley, really anybody in Beltrami County. Yeah, we need to know what, what happened on Monday. What what exploded? Or did you see the flash of light? Did you hear the, the giant boom? Yeah, if so, we want we want a local report, 877-933-2484. Talking now with uh, Jeff Bilbro, our friend from Grove City College and the Front Porch Republic. You can find what we're talking about today and his latest water dipper at frontporchrepublic.com. Um, apples. Let's talk apples. Talk about Tom Brown's work hunting old apple trees. This is this is such a fun story. Yeah. And uh, as a 
relative newcomer here at Western PA, I appreciate this because when I'm driving on the back farm roads, I always see these um, sort of hedgerow apple trees or kind of abandoned orchards from where it used to be a farm or a farm, you know, sort of homestead. And it's now part of a, it's either overgrown with forest or it's turned into one of these big corn bean farms. And I feel like and no one's picking the apples. They're just, uh, they're just going to waste there on the ground. But Tom Brown is the kind of person who goes around, figures out who owns these things, gets permission and investigates which species might be there and try. He has a, his home garden, home orchard where he keeps uh, lots of, I think, hundreds of different varieties uh, growing and alive and shares seeds and um, starts with other folks. And it all started when he was uh, kind of near retirement and came across a, a farm market stand with some heritage apples and wanted to preserve this truly remarkable diversity amongst uh, apple varieties. Someone needs to go like as soon as possible and become his apprentice. Because yeah, I know he's 82. You no, know, like, yeah. And <laughs> somebody needs to learn now. Like, is this going to take a while? It's going to take a while. I mean, he searched for 16 years before he yeah. found this one particular variety he was looking for. Like, I, I don't, you got to you got to love that. You got to love that kind of um, that kind of passion for a project and um, and a commitment to a pursuit. Um, there there's so much going on um, in the world that I think tending to sort of the slow things tending to the heritage seeds, tending to um, the cycle of what's growing and what's feeding us and what we're feasting on. Like all of that is, it's just worth a pause. It's just worth a moment. That's exactly right. And it's a way of keeping uh, this tradition alive. And, um, you know, I was talking to Paul off air, but there's definitely some something to be said for the hybrids that you can get in the grocery store that have combined many of the good traits of these individual varieties. Uh, but if we lose all these strains, right, then we lose the ability to make new hybrids in the future, or um, we, we lose that kind of breadth of the genetic um, makeup of the apple. Some of his big triumphs, according to the article, uh, include finding the Aunt Sally, the Buttercup, the Big Boy, the Black Amet, the Striped Virginia Beauty, the Summer Sweet, the Summer Treat, the Tender Sweet, and the Water Luscious. Wouldn't you like to have been there when um, the apples were named? Like, right? I mean, first of all, the apple tree gets a bit of a, I mean, gets a bit of a bad rap because, you know, everybody talks about the apple in, you know, uh, that. Eve supposedly right it's an apple right. well it's it's not an apple right I mean we don't know that <laughs> it's a fruit we we don't know that it's an apple do we no yeah mm-hmm that's what I'm thinking so don't blame the I'm, apple yeah, enjoy yeah, it. don't don't blame the apple just yeah I just I love I I love this story you can tell that I have an affinity for this story it has made me um want to um uh put the signs back out at the bases of our apple trees in our little orchard um, because over the course of time, um, they've kind of they've disappeared, frankly. And um, so, I, I mean, we know what they are. We know what each of our apple trees is producing, but not a person wandering into our orchard wouldn't know. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't want uh, someone like Tom Brown to wander across our little orchard in 100 years and have to figure out for himself what yeah. they were. I would just I should put the signs back out. 
That's right. Think think about the Tom Browns of the next generation. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Um, Paul Perot would like to weigh in because he wants to advocate for some new varieties of apples developed at the University of Minnesota. Go ahead, Paul. Well, I don't know really advocating. It's just they're so... <laughs> oh, no. Okay, they're oh, no. good. You they're told good. me you wanted to advocate. No, you brought up uh-huh. the advocating. I was just <laughs> I saying, see. you know, I could talk about it. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, what I mean, would you come like on. To say? Come on. Honeycrisp. What more oh. can you say? It's just crisp. It's sweet. And then you have like the sweet tango, which is kind of the same, but a little more tartness to it. Now, I grew up on a farm where we had some old Harrelson apples, which was one of the early hybrids the University of Minnesota put out. A very tart apple. Um, kind of, if you've had a Brayburn, it's Brayburnish, but it's a little tartar and not quite as crisp, but oh, so good. Great for pies. What can I say? I love my Minnesota, University of Minnesota apples. The Honeycrisp is uh, is a cultivar released in the early 1990s, developed by the Apple Breeding Program of the University mm-hmm. of Minnesota. This is a little shout out to your land grant universities and the good that they are doing. There are um, there are programs at land grant universities across the country in 32 states studying the development of uh, of fruits that might be cultivated, new cultivars. And so that's kind of fun, right? That's just it's just fun. What's going on where you are? Maybe you've got a 4-H project uh, that you're working on. Um, maybe we will conclude the apple segment in this in this way. What kind of apple pie are you planning for Thanksgiving? That maybe mm. is the most important apple question of the Indeed. day. Mary says uh, that she um, she likes a variety called the Asuzi A S U Z I. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Jill Martins is with Paul. Um, she thinks the Honeycrisp are the best. Oh, yeah. I am a new I'm a new fan of the Cosmic Crisp. I don't know if you're familiar with this one. It's a new cultivar as well, but it might be, you know, in the southeastern United States. I don't know. It's pretty tasty. So what are you making your apple pie out of as you prepare for Thanksgiving? Or what um, what do you know to be the right apple for apple pie? Inquiring minds want to know. You can always text us 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. Carmen, um, Carmen, you do a yes. blend of apples. Really? Yes. So you do a little Harrelson, you do a little uh, Granny Smith, you put a little Honeycrisp in it. You mix the varieties, and you come up with a very unique flavor of high. Just saying. Is Paul right or is Paul wrong? That would be the good. <laughs> you can find Jeff. all sorts of uh, all sorts of mixes, but yes, I think we need a Just, tasting test. Yeah, I just think just don't make a zucchini pie. Don't make a pie. No that, mock that, apple pie. No. That, no, no, don't mock the apple pie at Thanksgiving by making it out of zucchini. Like just resist that temptation. Um yes, strongly. Uh Jeff Bilbro, do you have a favorite pie on Thanksgiving? Apple pie. Is it is it is apple the one? Is it yeah. uh, is it like a double crust apple? Does it have a crust on the top or is it No, we usually you know, do all kinds uh, of crumb crumb topping. <gasps> nice mm-hmm. crumb topping super tasty um how yep. about a favorite um thanksgiving side item oh man uh i i kind of like my homemade uh cranberry relish mm-hmm. is it hot or cold cold mm-hmm. okay good to know does it have any no. secret ingredients uh you know we like i put the cranberries with some Citrus peel, some mm-hmm. spices in the oven for a while, get them meld the flavors. Oh, in the and, oven. Uh, yeah, just kind of slow roast. It's it's pretty good. 
Nice. I just put mine in a pot on the top of the stove. I might try oh. the uh, roasting method. This is good. Yeah. This is good. Um, all right. Uh, Mary says, Paul is right. Variety makes the best pies. <clears throat> oh, Kim Scobie also says Paul is right. A lot of people. A lot of people. Told you. A <laughs> lot of people. Carol, Paul is spot on. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, apparently Paul is right. So there you go. Shout out to Paul Perot this morning for being right. Carrie in Barrie, Ontario. Paul is so right. Yeah, there you go. Lots and lots of people. It does happen on occasion, you know. <laughs> Well, I'm just really glad I didn't weigh in on whether or not you were right or wrong, but the survey clearly says you're right. So it's so good. Um, All right, Jeff, uh, as always, thank you so much, brother, for being with us. We thoroughly enjoy you. We are giving thanks to God for you this Thanksgiving. Um, And and again, thank you so much for what you do to enrich our life together. Oh, thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too. All right. uh, Yeah, keep, oh yeah, keep the, uh, uh, Keep the votes rolling in on the text line. Mike says Paul is right. Another friend says, yes, Paul, I agree with Paul. Carol, Paul is right. On and on and on. Wow. Paul, if you you should print out today's text line um, because, wow, a lot of people just affirming Paul today. It's Paul Day. It's Paul. It's Celebrate Paul Day here on Mornings with Carmen. Yeah. Um, so keep the, uh, keep the text rolling in. Uh-oh. What kind of, Uh-oh, Jennifer kinda... disagrees with me. Well, that's okay. Jennifer Jennifer doesn't have to be right. <laughs> so <laughs> keep your um uh keep your comments, keep your commentary rolling on the text line eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. And Jennifer, we probably should taste your grandma's apple pie um to attest to the purity component here of, of just the one kind of apple. I I will confess I've never made an apple pie with multiple varieties, so I've clearly been doing it your grandma's way, but according to Paul, the wrong way my whole life. Apple crisp. Yes, David, I am much better at apple crisp than I am at apple pie. Um, And yes, thank you to those of you that are um, weighing in on your favorite type of apple. I appreciate that. Um, A little pivot here to our conversation with our friend Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News as we take a view of what is happening um, around the world and Bring uh, bring into focus our Christian brothers and sisters in all kinds of spaces and places. Let me just alert you of a couple of things. There was a huge, and when I say huge, 300,000 people yesterday rallied in Washington, D.C. Um, at the March for Israel. And they called for the release of the hostages who are being held by Hamas terrorists in Gaza. Um, they encouraged uh, people to remember and not forget the Holocaust um, in view of what happened on October the 7th. Um, and um, lots of people spoke, and it was peaceful, and so we want to absolutely celebrate what is now the largest pro-Israel gathering in all of U.S. history, um, even as we continue to pray for precious people on all sides of every conflict around the globe, particular attention being paid, obviously, to this very, very small patch of land that we all call holy. President Biden is going to meet today with China's Xi Jinping during a summit in California. Um, I want us to be praying in relationship to this. Um, there have there's been very little or even no open communication between these these heads of these two superpowers. Um, the lines of communication between the U.S. military and the Chinese military has gone cold. Um, and has uh, they haven't been answering, you know, the bright red phone. And so we we want to be praying that. Um, God would make a way uh, to reopen um, diplomatic relations and communication between 
these two heads of state. Um, communication matters. And even talking with uh, our worst enemies, like it matters. And so if you'd pray with me today that the Spirit of the Lord would be upon this particular meeting um, and that God would make a way where there often seems to be no way. In order that, in order that, um, you know, Christians in China would continue to know that they're not alone um, and that people in China would recognize that the United States actually knows what they're dealing with and is concerned for them and that God might, you know, by his grace and by some miraculous power, um, you know, bring his influence to bear in that meeting. So let's be praying today um, in, in fervently in this direction. Our friend Ruth Kramer is going to join us next. She's going to bring us up to speed on what's happening with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And yes, I see you, Cortland McIntosh, Harrelson combo people, best apple pies ever. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of affirmation for Paul being right. Mm-hmm. Just like with apple cider, a blend is the best. That's what Jeff says in Superior, Wisconsin, where, you know, the apples are superior as well. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Ruth Kramer is joining us. She serves with Mission Network News. She lives in the great state of Michigan. And so, Ruth, please weigh in on this morning's most critical of questions, um, apple pie. And if so, what variety or varieties of apple? Diversity brings strength. (laughs) Oh, I see. You are already participating in Celebrate Paul Day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I also like to add... Uh, different spices in besides just the cinnamon and the nutmeg. So um, I like to add mace and um, mm. cardamom. So mm-hmm. those are always fun additions. Adds a little bit of warmth to uh, apple pies, but I actually prefer tono- turnovers to apple pies, and I like to make um, oh. tartlets. Tell me about a tartlet. Well, I cheat like crazy. So I buy the puff pastry, roll that mm. out, uh, mm-hmm. brush it with uh, some kind of a, a citrus apple jam. So um, not citrus apple jam, a like a uh, orange marmalade. Um, mm. and I'll cut up a variety of apples, place them in a ring, just like, you know, fan them out and then oh. dot it with some pats of butter, sprinkle it with the sugar and cinnamon and, and the, the spice one that I use and pop that in the oven. So it's like a little flat pie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that idea. All right. Super I'm, ga- I'm gathering ideas. I'm gathering ideas. <laughs> I like I like that one a lot. All right. That's fantastic. Okay. Um, we um we're gonna take a look around the world at what is going on. Um, you have a piece posted at uh Mission Network News in relationship there's several pieces, but this one in particular in relationship to the generational trauma. Um, in, in the Holy Land and in, in these um, in this ongoing challenge that uh, Israel faces with um, the Palestinian people. Can you talk with us about grappling with collective generational trauma among the Israelis? I can. Um, I, I wanted to, to especially make note that we are looking at the conflict, the war there from a perspective of this is the body of, you know, where the body of Christ is being affected and, and mm-hmm. who we turn our eyes to in times like this. So regardless of the politics, 
we've spoken with believers uh, out of Palestine, out of Lebanon, out of Israel, uh, to talk about uh, what is happening, how believers are responding to this, and how we can be praying alongside of them. So we spoke to the Bible Society of Israel. And he's he's the one who brought up um, the generational trauma. If you you think about this a second, you've got Pharaoh, you've got Haman, you've got the Holocaust. That's part of the Israeli identity. So they have had experience with trauma, but it, you can see that it is collective generational trauma because they um, they it's part of their story. So they teach it to their children. They teach their history to their kids, and they kind of relive certain aspects of it to remind them of how God provided for them. And yet in this situation, it's happening again, and, and they're shocked. Um, right now, churches are asking the Bible Society in Israel specifically for re- resources for traumatized kids and teens. Um, and they share them because the kids are going through a lot of difficult times here. Um, they've never experienced the actual trauma itself. They've, they've kind of lived it through the stories, but they've never actually experienced the fear that they're experiencing now. Uh, and they have a lot of questions. They're afraid. Um, and so the the resources that the Israeli Bible Society um, is able to respond with are fairly limited because Messianic Hebrew resources are just not really common. Um, so the Bible Society in Israel has produced some books and resources that tell Bible stories, communicate Christian values, and engage kids at different stages. Um, but they are just basically saying they need more support. Uh, they need more help to get the resources printed and out there for the kids. And they need more prayer. Um, this is a situation where uh, people are seeking truth. So he's saying, pray that the church, big C, church, will seek truth biblically of what is happening and what should be the response, and then seek the face of God. Um, and this is just kind of an amazing story just because of everything that's happening. But we wanted to kind of look at it from another perspective, too. We talked to the Bethlehem Bible College and um, the Palestinian Bible Society as well. And we're hearing there that the Christian community in Gaza has been uh, hiding in churches um, because of what's going on with the the threat of uh, ground incursions. There's you know a massive displacement of people, and as a result, people are are taking refuge wherever they can. A lot of them don't have family in other places because they can't leave the area, so they're hiding in mm-hmm. churches. Um, and the churches are saying we can't really do a lot because of the blockade. So we are doing what we can with food and medicine, um, but remember that there are believers in Gaza and West Bank, and they feel like the forgotten church right now. They are looking at uh, all of the headlines that are coming out of the West and um, feeling like the church has uh, uh, abandoned them. So he's asking that they that we continue to pray, uh, pray for the Palestinian church as they are the hands and feet of Jesus in an unimaginable tragedy. Um, pray that the church keeps their sanity, really, because there's a there's a prophetic voice kind of in a context like this, and and they want to stay true to the word of God as they share it and the gospel hope with the people around them. Um, and and there are there's a lot of fear in there because. There's nowhere to go. Um, the, it's a very, very hard situation. Some of the Palestinian Bible team members um, um, are going out to meet people's needs with food, water, and medicine. But in the process of being out and about, they're putting their lives at risk. One of the piano players of a local church that is part of the Palestinian Bible Society was actually shot and killed after serving her church. 
So um, this is just kind of one of those things where they're feeling it very close to home. We also talked to our partners in her, uh, in Lebanon because obviously Hezbollah has gotten involved with this and now Israel is shelling over the borders. So all of those villages in southern Lebanon are not safe anymore. And so people are fleeing, again, internally displaced people within uh, Lebanon are fleeing into further areas uh, that are a little bit further away from the danger there. And um, that's like 29,000 people in inside Lebanon itself. So organizations that have already been dealing with a refugee crisis and a financial crisis, um, basically a failed state situation, uh, the COVID sh uh, shutdowns and then the, the port explosions, they're already spread really, really thin. And, and they're trying to respond to these new needs um, as an opportunity to show the love of Christ to people who haven't heard it. Um, but one of our other partners from Triumphant Mercy Lebanon says that uh, the 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 issue of sharing the gospel is much more complicated now than it used to be, whereas you, some of these other conflicts, um, people were asking a lot of questions. They were very open to the gospel. Now, because of this other layer of the politics where people have perceived uh, Christianity to be of the West, of America, um, they are rejecting pretty much everything right out of hand. And so evangelism has gotten to be very, very challenging in parts of uh, parts of Lebanon. And our partners at Triumphant Mercy Lebanon are just asking us to continue to pray that the doors will be open, that they will have the right words to share, that they will be able to respond to some of those needs, and that the Holy Spirit will be moving in advance of this so that that those seeds will fall on fertile soil. We're going to continue our conversation with Ruth Kramer here in just a moment. Let me make you aware of what is going on um, in Iceland. Uh, Icelandic authorities are um, are warning of an imminent um, volcanic eruption. They expect it to be quite large. There's been increased seismic activity, raising alarms um, to a precursor to an eruption. The videos online are pretty extraordinary. They've been evacuating particular towns and villages and even cities. They have dug a large dike uh, uh, seeking to um, divert potential lava flows away from um, their very large um, <clears throat> nuclear power plant. And, um, and they have built what I will describe as the most massive wall of snow um, that I've ever seen, um, although there's probably some of you, it's actually a geothermal power plant, excuse me, not nuclear, geothermal power plant um, in the in the southwest part of the country. Um, and so let's just be praying for folks um, in Iceland in relationship to all of this. We don't often talk much about Iceland. And so um, when it when it peaks in the news, you know, we want to certainly give our attention to uh, the precious people who live there as well. Uh, Ruth is going to tell us um, next when we come back about earthquakes in Nepal and the desperation of the people in that location and how Christians are responding. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. Time together as people of faith is so important, and together we can make a positive impact. So Faith Radio is ready to hit the road. Would your community be a good fit for a Faith Radio live event full of encouragement and togetherness that we can spur each other on toward love and good deeds? Nominate your community for a live Faith Radio event at MyFaithRadio.com, and I hope to get to see you soon. Continuing our conversation with our friend Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find all the stories we're discussing today uh, and many, many others at missionnews.org. Um, 
Talk with us about what's happening in Nepal and the hope being offered to earthquake survivors there. You know, this is one of those tragedies that occurred and was almost completely overlooked. It it was not um, something that was making it onto people's radar screen very well. But uh, this is something I'm glad that we're, we're able to talk about. The big earthquake hit last Friday and then massive aftershocks that have struck the country multiple times that would basically qualify as their own earthquakes because they're so massive. Um, it's northwest part of the country. It's a mountainous region. Uh, and so you've got a lot of damage that is that has occurred. Um, this is a, a situation where because of the type of region that it is, um, the pathways in and out of the the villages uh, are basically cut off and it's it you can approach it uh, you know on foot but getting vehicles into the area is going to be very very challenging in the days ahead but I guess if you're going to see the silver lining on some of this the government has been through this before um this is the worst earthquake in eight years but the last time we saw something like this was in like 2015 and the government, uh, learned how to do earthquake response. So that is a good thing. They have done this, the networks are set up, and they're able to begin responding and rebuilding and, and dealing with uh, food, shelter, and emergency uh, health needs and things like that. Keys for Kids has a partner that works near the epicenter. So the, the good news there is that none of the team that works with uh, Good News Nepal was uh, was injured from the the quake situation. But we are hearing back from them that, you know, there's just massive uh, damage, uh, a lot of churches that were destroyed in the process. Um, and they're kind of standing back a little bit to let the first responders do their job. And then once their um, things are settled down a little bit and the government says, okay, now we need everybody else's hands, then they'll be able to come in and, and help a little bit more. So the priority right now for survivors is food, clean water, and medicine and shelter, um, because a lot of people are afraid to go back into their homes uh, because they've been so damaged over the process of the this from the earthquake to all of the aftershocks. Really cool part of this story, because of the partnership with Keys for Kids and Good News Nepal, Keys for Kids has regular shipments of resources going into the area. And as God would have it in the timing, prevent, uh, providential timing, uh, 200 storytellers actually made it into the country just days before the earthquake struck. So the team that is there is able to bring out the hope of the gospel into a situation, especially with the traumatized children, um, and and kind of meet some of those needs as people uh, come out uh, of the area and uh, begin seeking assistance. Um, that's going to be Imp, uh, it, uh, how how do I want it? Augmented by some of the aid that they're going to try to to produce um, in the days ahead. So just be praying for the team because they they they're going to need safety. They're going to uh, need opportunities, and they're going to need some resources to be able to meet what's going to be an overwhelming need uh, in the near future. Mm. Do you have an update for us on Ryan Kohler? We. We talked with him um, several months ago, the American missionary pilot um, who who spent time in a, in a Mozambique prison. We did talk about his release. Can you give us an update there? Yeah, it's a brief update. Um, you know, uh, the the Coers are back in the States. Um, we Everybody knows that right now. Um, 
He is still on provisional release, so the case hasn't been dismissed. Um, They're actually waiting on the judge to make a decision on that. They're on furlough right now, so they're connecting with support partners, kind of debriefing and and doing more training um, and resting. Um, But the intent is to go back into Mozambique if that is possible. The next deadline for the the hearing or a decision on the case is actually in June. And if the prosecutor uh, doesn't make a decision on what he's going to do with all of the information before then, then the investigation will either expire or need to be renewed. And right now, there's no indication on which way it's going to go. So obviously, uh, the coers are, are trusting God to lead them. But be praying because what obviously what they want to do is go back into Mozambique and serve with uh, Ambassador Aviation um, and be hands and feet of Christ to the Mozambicans. One thing that Ryan says during his detainment, he gained a new love for the people there and a deeper, more rich understanding of who they are as a people. Um, so he really has has seen his desire to reach him with a hope of Christ renewed. And we're just he, he's asking us to pray alongside that those doors remain open. Um, Ruth, how can we be um, how can we be praying for you and your family as you approach the holiday season? Hmm, that I don't step in on, on any landmines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true for all of us, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. true for all of us. You know, we just we want to be careful to have uh, the, the handle those tricky relationships well to keep the doors open um, for communication. Um, for gospel opportunities to be rich, because not all of us have um, all our family members who are following mm-hmm. Christ or walking with Him, and you know we have adult children who may not be walking with Christ, and so we want to join other believers to be praying into the situation. Thanksgiving is a good time to um, to share the the life stories that we have, but we have to be. Uh, cognizant sometimes that there are landmines and we don't know necessarily where they are so that we are um, sensitive to that but also speaking truth and love that's so good it's quite a balance it's quite a balance um uh as always thank you so much i assure you of of our prayers for you and your people and i count on yours for for us and ours as well thank you thank you so much we really appreciate it That's Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find what we talked about today and lots of other wonderful, well, I will start with prayer prompts, lots of other wonderful prayer prompts and ways to connect with ministries around the world. Your Christian brothers and sisters um, are deployed in all kinds of places and living in all kinds of circumstances. And so let's be supporting them prayerfully and as the Lord leads and makes provision in our lives, um, provide for their their welfare um, uh, as well. So check that out at missionnews.org. It occurs to me that what is making, uh, as Ruth said a moment ago, you know, what's like on the radar, um, you know, in in terms of what people are paying attention to around the world um, isn't some stuff doesn't doesn't create a flashpoint. So what's what's not making it onto the radar for the whole world? But it is the most important thing going on in your life, the most important thing going on in your family, the thing that has your attention um, something happening in your community, in your neighborhood. Um, maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe somebody conceived a baby. Um, maybe you're expecting uh, a, a baby to be born any day um, or one just arrived. Maybe someone has come to Christ. Maybe someone has made a proposal or a confession. Um, maybe there is 
uh, a death, a friend or a family member in crisis. I I recognize that that is what has your attention. Then that is what is in large measure consuming you. So if you'd like to share that with me, what's rocking your world? Um, you know, in a in a text message, just know that I love to be praying for you and the particular circumstances of your life. Um, and so whatever's rocking your world today, just share it with me as a prayer request. The text line's always open, 877-933-2484. We've got another hour together on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.